to Kizar to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. I'm ready for this, Alex. Let's get into some offensive line conversation. There's been a lot of talk about Mike McGlinchey, about Daniel Brunskill, not only from fans, not only from uh, media, but also from John Lynch and some of his comments. He's been talking about the guard spot. He's been talking about Aaron Banks. And now there's a lot of movement. I know last week I had mentioned that maybe Jalen Moore might be a, a possibility for the 49ers in the future at the right tackle position. Well, let's get into this conversation about the offensive line. Need to. We need to do that. Make sure you hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. If you haven't already, that notification bell as well. And let's dive into this thing. Yeah. But, Ant, let's start with the O-line play. How are you feeling about everyone specifically so far? Where they're at, how they're doing, and, and what areas or what positions maybe are you feeling there may need to be some sort of change at? First off, let's take Trent and let's just put him to the side. Trent, you are... Fantastic. You are good to go. As far as Lakin Tomlinson goes, Lakin's been playing at a pretty high level this year. Um, I've been excited with his you know, development. He's been making his blocks overall, getting to the right spots. I think he is solid. He never misses football games. Alex Mack has had moments where he's looked great. He's made great plays that have caused touchdowns, You know, helped with touchdowns. And he's had plays where you're like, oh, okay. Um, so with him, I think he's a little bit more you know, iffy. But I think he's played well enough. I think he has been a better improvement from what we had last year. When we get to the right side, Alex, is where we get all the talk and all the conversation. Yeah, because no, that's right. Daniel Brunskill and Mike McGlinchey, over the first couple weeks of the season, did very well. Yeah, they did fantastic. We were excited about this offensive line. The 49ers were running the football. The 49ers were able to move the ball on the ground. Mm-hmm. Putting McGlinchey and Brunskill in situations where they're successful, mm-hmm. moving laterally, not having normal traditional pass sets. Now that they've gotten to situations where they were losing early, you know, losing early to Green Bay, losing to Seattle, there became situations where they were getting into bad situations for them. They were having to kick slide and go against very good defenders, and they've struggled. Yep. So now it started to call into question whether these two guys should be the starters. And the way that they grade out is not very good. Both of them are grading in the 30s. That is not good for the 49ers. So we do have other guys on the roster how are you feeling, Alex, about these guys before we get into that and who, you know, what the possibilities are? How are you feeling about the, the offensive line overall and that right side? So McGlinchey has been, it's been less noticeable for me in terms of the decline or the bad play per se. I know he's had some bad situations where he's missed on guys, but it hasn't felt like it's every play. It feels like it's a handful. The handful of plays. The problem has been it's been a handful of plays in key downs and key situations. Yeah. And same thing with Daniel Brunskill. Daniel Brunskill has been extremely noticeable since about week three. Uh, that's where I started to be like, hey, this guy's all over the place. There's great moments, and then he's you know rock bottoming out, and then he comes back up a little bit, and then he goes back, and it's just a constant. There's no, there's no consistency right now with right. Daniel Brunskill, and that's a concern. That's a that's a big issue. Um, and this is something I talked about with Daniel Brunskill in the offseason was this being something that I was concerned about was consistency. Because when this guy is, right, the Aaron Donald stopper, I mean, there's no, they're no one I would rather have playing the position for the San Francisco 49ers at the right guard spot. Yeah. But that seems to only be the case when we're playing Aaron Donald and uh, we only play him twice a year. 
So DB's got to you got to step up. You have to step up. You have to start playing better. But this now opens the door for this question of you know what what moves should the 49ers be making in order to address this? Um, you have Jalen Moore. You'd easily insert him at the right tackle spot, and I think you and I both feel he'd probably have some success at the right tackle spot, seeing as he's had a lot of success playing left tackle for the 49ers. You'd stick him at the right tackle spot. And, you know, maybe sure up some things right there, right? I, I, definitely in pass pro sets, you would sure up some things in terms of pass protection. I'm still a little wary about run blocking there. But then again, McGlinchey's been having some struggles and as of recent has missed on key situation and key downs and distances. Is Aaron Banks ready, though, to insert himself at the right guard spot? And I think that's the question that would really need to be answered if you wanted to get really, really young on that right side of the line and go with your, your two new boys that you drafted in this year's draft. I don't know if I'm necessarily there yet with Aaron Banks being the solution right now at right guard. I don't think there's any situation where Mike McGlinchey is not starting on the field somewhere. I agree with um, you here. You're, you're paying him too much money, and he's too good of a run blocker. You need him on the field. The question is, is he the right tackle, or does he need to be slotted at right guard eventually? Mm. The interesting thing, though, is John Lynch makes these comments about Aaron Banks, that we look forward to him helping us this season win football games that means that he's becoming more eminent right it's something that's coming along the way that he's going to be able to get in there and and help the team so i my more traditional thought because i've seen banks play in the in the preseason in training camp was that he wasn't going to be ready to go this year um, from the progress i don't know how much progress he's making behind closed doors because we're not there watching every day in fact no one is there watching every day no one can see this guy's development the only ones who know are John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, Coach Forrester, this you know offensive coaching staff. They understand where he is as far as growth. Galen Moore, though, we've seen it, right? There's been tangible you know proof that he is a good player. Evidence. When Trent Williams got hurt, he came in. He played very you know very good. In fact, because he didn't give up a sack or a hurry when he played left tackle, not a single pressure. So it means that he can handle those situations at right tackle. But are the 49ers ready to tackle the situation of moving Mike McGlinchey in? You've given Mike McGlinchey $10.8 million to come back for his fifth-year option next year. Are you ready to ride with him at right guard? And is he able to make that adjustment to right guard? It is a little bit of a different situation. I think if it was in the offseason, I would say yes, that we could go Mike McGlinchey at right guard, Galen Moore at right tackle, and stabilize this offensive line. However, I don't know if that's the case because right now you do have a chemistry with Daniel Brunskill and Mike McGlinchey. I wonder if they're willing to actually – change that you know uh, mess that up a little bit or if they're just going to wait until banks is ready and then that's the avenue they go i guess we could always see if Jalen moore could play guard as well because they were experimenting they with were that experimenting in the preseason that. as well they were they were that would be an interesting uh thought process um but my concerns are then for him then go to playing out of position adapting to a new spot um and i feel he's had a lot of success at tackle I feel like moving from left to right isn't actually that big of a jump for him it might actually be a little bit easier of a task than having to play on that left side and having to anchor down the blind side. Um, and I and I do believe that McGlinchey can make that interior move to guard, and I think it would actually probably be beneficial beneficial for him long-term so too. for him as a player. Um, but I agree with you here that it's the middle of the year, right? It's the middle of the season. You're not even at the middle. You're still you got to be seven weeks into the season. And you're not even at the halfway point yet of the, of the season. It's still early. Um, seems like it, would, it seemed like a drastic move to make that move McGlinchey on the interior. So that would lead me to believe that right now the idea and the plan would be to see how close Aaron Banks is, right? Or to make that move with Brunskill there, get Banks in there at the right guard spot and hope that McGlinchey can continue to develop as your right tackle for the time being. 
Um, you know, he's ranked out, I think, like the 30-31 is where roughly he's yeah. ranked out within the league. That's not great for him. You know, for, through the first, I thought, I thought three weeks of the season, he was playing fantastic. I didn't see a lot of missed opportunities from him. I really only saw one or two plays during those three games in which I felt he got beat badly. Um, for the most part, though, I thought he held down and, and held his own in every single contest and every single game. And for the most part, was making sound and solid blocking, had sound and solid blocks. The last couple of weeks that we started to see a little bit of a slip up in this last week, especially saw some opportunities where he missed. He just flat out missed on guys or wasn't going after the right guy in space. Um, I don't know if it was just a communication thing. I don't know if missing George Kittle had something to do with that as well. I, I know it probably played a little bit of a, of a part in a role, um, you know, but there, there are definitely some questions there now at the right tackle spot that I don't think existed before week three or week four of the season. No, I mean, it, I think it's a, it's a multitude of factors. I think first off the run game, Hasn't been as successful as it was in the first two weeks. True. Elijah Mitchell and those guys really got it going early on. And that always helps Mike McGlinchey and Daniel Brunskill because then you can run play action. You can move the pocket. You can slide protection. You can really help them. That's where they're successful is in lateral movement. Also, when you're able to go forward as an offensive line, when you're able to run block and drive people back, you are playing in a you know an attitude of aggressiveness. When you are sitting back to pass block, you're not. You become more passive. The defensive lineman is able to tee off on you. And then when you get in situations like you were against Arizona and you're going against two of the better pass rushers in this league. Marcus Golden and Chandler Jones. And a Hall of Fame talent in J.J. Watt. Accurate. Um, they're going to be able to beat you at times, and they're going to make you look silly. It doesn't matter how good you are. Ask Trent Williams. There was a couple times in this game where he didn't look that great um, because these guys are at that level, and they're, they're capable of a lot. You have to be able to consistently go out there and do it, but also the offense has to consistently put these guys in opportunities to be successful. It's crazy to say that about an offensive line, but when you get offensive linemen, you're getting them with specific skill sets to fit your offensive scheme. So Kyle Shanahan has been bringing in offensive linemen, or John Lynch as well, um, that fit that scheme, and that is good at run blocking, being able to get to the second level and do the things that he wants, and he knows he's going to give up a little bit in the pass blocking, in pass blocking situations. That's why they can't play from behind. They need to play out in front or right there with them, where the run game is always a threat, where play action is always a threat, and if they do that, that right side of the line will restabilize and be okay. But if it doesn't, it's going to be a long season unless they make an adjustment because um, these guys can't consistently go back there. It's just not their skill set. You're asking them to do something outside of their skill set. And Mike McGlinchey does a good job when he's put in the right situations. In fact, he's one of the better tackles when he's in the right situation. Absolutely. So they need to figure this out. They need to get this offense going, the run game going. Kyle and them need, really need to take advantage of the Colts this week and get get these guys in a positive way where they can move forward. If we can get this offensive line moving forward and being the aggressors, I really feel like it'll all even out, and then we'll be talking about how they look a lot better than they have in the previous few weeks. The nice thing is, is that coming into this Week 7 matchup, you have a situation now with the O-line where you've had the bye week. Yeah, You've had the additional week of, of preparation, of being able to look at things that you want them to clean up and really having them focus on it, right? Focus on it in film. Focus on it with the things that they're doing mentally. And really trying to establish the fronts that you've been seeing this year, these five, six-man fronts that, that you've been getting through the first five weeks of the season, because they're not going away. No. They're not going away anytime soon. And so you're going to have to start cleaning these things up. You're going to have to know which linebackers it is that you're going after in space, who you're attacking. When am I supposed to be pushing up to safety? You know, am I am I supposed to be looking inside? Am I supposed to be looking outside? Where is it, it, it where is it that I'm supposed to be? And then working on not getting blown off of the ball and into pulling lanes because we've seen that happen now with Charlie Warner. We've seen that happen with Ross Dwelly. And it's happened with Daniel Brunskill as well a few times where he's supposed to buckle down and, and you know stabilize and hold and not get pushed back off of his spot. And he does. Um, and that's 
hurting our ability to pull in space. It's hurting yeah. getting our guys around to make key blocks downfield, which then turn what would be 20, 30, potentially whole-shot plays for Elijah Mitchell into eight-yard gains, five-yard gains, three-yard gains, and that's just not what we're looking for. No, I, exactly. I mean, the running game just hasn't got to the level that it needs to, and whether that is offensive line or scheme, I think a lot of it comes down to defensive scheme. So these defenses are coming up in five, six you know, people on the line of scrimmage and around that box, and that box is from tackle to tackle, just in case, you know, anyone doesn't know. And they're really going to try to, you know, make the 49ers beat them another way. They're going to try to take away that outside zone. They're going to make the 49ers figure out a different way. And the 49ers have been going to a lot of gap scheme. They're pulling linemen, you know, they're kicking guys out, and they're trying to run underneath it. A different running style is something they did in 2019 a ton. And they were very successful with it. And then when teams had to adjust to them doing the gap scheme, they were able to hit him with the outside zone with Raheem Mostert and have explosive plays. So it was pick your poison. The 49ers haven't been able to establish both in a game yet this year. And a lot of that was because Elijah Mitchell could, you know, couldn't play for a few games. So it was a different type of uh, attack. And that does play into the offensive line. If you are consistently going to be back there running around, throwing the football, um, you're going to, number one, there's going to be more pressure. There's going to be more sacks. And there's going to be more opportunities for turnovers. That's just how it is. It doesn't matter what team you are. Look at Kansas City. You want to throw the ball a ton, you're, you're going to get your guy sacked. He's going to turn over the ball. That's what happens. Um, so some of it is situation. The 49ers need to make sure from now on that they try to play from the in front of the game They run the ball consistently, get the play action going. Some of these receivers on the outside need to win. And if they do, um, that'll help take a lot of the pressure off the offensive line. And if they don't, they're going to have to figure it out. I don't know if Jalen Moore is ready. If Jalen Moore was ready right now, if you and I think this is – any coach would do this. If Forster will look at them and say, you know what? Galen Moore is a better option than Daniel Brunskill or a better option than Mike McGlinchey, they would make this move. Um, so I'm not going to tell anyone that they need to make this move because I'm not the one coaching him. I'm not seeing him every day. I haven't seen his improvement. If they put him out there on film again and I get to watch it, then I'll be able to educate, you know, give a great educated um, breakdown of it and say if he should be out there and play. But right now I think it's a little presumptuous to say that he would be better than Mike McGlinchey or Daniel Brunskill um, without seeing more than a few minutes of him playing. There's no real film on Moore. There's no film on Aaron Banks. None, yeah, there, Banks. There's no way to know what you're going to get right now if you put either one of these guys out there. Yeah. And that's where I'm at. I'm still at this point right now where it's like the grass may be greener on the other side with Aaron Banks. It may be greener on the other side with Jalen Moore. It also could be dead. It could be a dead patch of grass and there's nothing there right now because it's not properly watered. It's not ready right to be something that goes on display it's still something that you're nurturing and trying to get up to right. speed with daniel brunskill i know i still know what the the ceiling is with daniel brunskill i also know what the floor is right this floor is the floor is what he is right now 36 ranked o-lineman in the league at the right hard spot and and not not pretty right just it's just not pretty he can still clean those things up like you talked about and we saw it early in the season because he wasn't he hasn't been this all season this is a recent development over the last few weeks and it was exacerbated even worse last week because you had a young quarterback holding onto the football for a long time, not really getting rid of the ball when these guys right. are used to the ball coming out. In fact, a second and a half longer than they typically are used to and more comfortable with. So it's just it just changed some of the stuff that, we, that this offense typically does. It was a different way of playing offense than we've done in the past. And there's an adjustment and acclimation period that they're not quite ready for because Trey didn't get a lot of snaps with that first team. And people can blame Kyle for that all they want till they're blue in the face. There's a reason why Trey wasn't getting the snaps. It's because he's not ready yet, and that's okay. He's not supposed to be ready. He's not supposed to have the answers. As much as we want him to be the savior right now, he's not ready to be the savior, and that's okay. That's that's okay that he's not ready yeah. to be that yet. There's time. There's plenty of time for that to be the case. 
So my next question for you then, you and I both feel like making the move right now might be rash. It might be real quick to make that jump right now, just based on the fact that we've lost three straight, we're two and three. Season's definitely not over by any means, but we've definitely not put ourselves in a great position and put ourselves ahead of the right. We're definitely playing from behind right now. Even if things go whatever way they end up going this year, if Banks continues to develop, Jalen Moore continues to develop, what are the 49ers going to do with the O-line going forward? Because you're going to have some decisions to make with Lincoln Tomlinson's contract and obviously have decisions to make with Mike McGlinchey's contract and what to do with him. Daniel Brunskill is another guy you're going to have to make a decision about. How, how would you want to have this offensive line constructed going forward in the future? Um, and does that sway you at all in terms of what decisions should be made in the here and now present? I think off of just the cuff, I mean, without seeing these guys consistently as, you know, if I was there every single day watching them practice and seeing their technique and everything, correct. I would think <clears> that <throat> next year you're looking at a, a different interior offensive line. You know, you're going to have um, more than likely, if I was doing it, I would have I would have Banks at left guard. I would put Mike McGlinchey at right guard and I would put Jalen Moore at right tackle. And part ways with Tomlinson and, and Brunskill? Yeah, I think so. Because, well, I might be Brunskill back as a swing tackle. Okay. If that's a possibility because I think he is better than Justin Skule. Um, and so maybe he's a possibility there. But I think you move on from him being a starter in your building unless you unless Alex Mack is leaving. And then maybe Brunskill's moving to center. But I would think about drafting a center or signing a center um, because I would want to stabilize if Mack is gone. Now, as far as, as the rest of it goes, I don't know, you know what they're going to do as far as like Mike McGlinchey. They'll probably leave him at right tackle next year. Um, if that's the case, then it'll probably be Banks at right guard. Uh, I just told you what I would do, not what they would do. Sure. And in that case, you might re-sign Lakin Tomlinson. I think Lakin Tomlinson is a great player. I like him because he straps up every single day and goes out there and, He's and playing gets like it done. Right now. And he plays good. He plays solid. Him and Trent Williams have a nice chemistry. I think he's a good leader on this football team. But when it comes down to money, sometimes you have to make a decision, and they might have to go with the younger cats to be able to free up some cash to pay other players. You've got a Debo Samuel extension coming up pretty soon. Um, so there's going to be decisions. There's going to have to be roster moves. I think they drafted these guys with the expectation of both of them taking over the guard spots next year, and maybe that's still the case. I just think with the fact that Mike McGlinchey still struggling a little bit with the pass blocking and the fact that Jalen Moore has showed at times that he can be successful there, that there might be a little bit of a flip and change of philosophy there, but that doesn't mean it's the case. It could be Mike McGlinchey at right tackle again next year with with Moore and Banks at the guard. That's fair. Um, that definitely could be the case, and, and I wouldn't be shocked if that's the route they decide to to actually go with this. Um, look, I, I'm I'm not ready yet to throw McGlinchey under the bus and say this is on him, no. and even part ways with him, and no, you know, say he's trash and all this other stuff because I have seen a lot of good from Mike McGlinchey this year. Um, I've seen some improvement in the in the pass blocking sets and pass pro sets, and I've even seen him on an island this year, one on one with with uh, Chandler Jones last week. He had a couple of different times where he stood Chandler Jones straight up, and Jones wasn't getting any pressure whatsoever. Um, you know, Thanos even broke down one clip in particular, in which man, look at that pocket for Trey Lance. It was an incredible pocket in which you had Mike. It really Lynch, was one on one out in space. Trent Williams one on one out in space with uh you know Brunskill one on one in the middle, and Alex Mack and Lincoln Tomlinson. On a double team, essentially the guy who tried to run a stunt split, and yeah. they were just studying it up, and Trey was just comfortably sitting there with nobody in sight. So I have seen moments from this O-line where they've done the things they need to do and pockets have been clean. And people can't forget the first three weeks of the season in which for a majority of majority of the first three weeks of the season, other than late, or excuse me, early in that game against Green Bay, they figured it out late. Um, Mink Garoppolo was one of the most untouched quarterbacks in football. 
he was not being touched. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy's quick release is a big part of it. Yeah. Um, Jimmy gets the ball in and out of his hands extremely fast. And you saw from Green Bay what, Al, or what uh, Aaron Rodgers did. Um, that was dominating. He, he took all the onus and pressure off of his offensive line, and Jimmy Garoppolo does that to a point. But once again, Kyle Shanahan's scheme and the way he drafted these players, he drafted some of them knowing that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starting quarterback and that Jimmy can get the ball out quick. So it puts those guys in successful areas where they can you know, continue to produce for his football team. And that's why it all makes sense. You need the successful run. You need the quick-release quarterback. Um, you need to be able to move the pocket. You need someone that's going to get them into timely situations where they're running the right play at the right time. And that's why it makes a lot of sense for him to have an experienced quarterback. And that's why we have both thought that it was Jimmy Garoppolo that was going to be the guy because he helped a lot of other players, things that you don't normally see. The first play from this last game, against the Cardinals, the very first play, they should slide protect to the right side. The offensive line doesn't call it. That is a Trey Lance call. Trey Qu- Lance's quarterback guy. is supposed to yep. sh- shift the slide protection for the O-line. Correct, and he's supposed to make it, and he doesn't, so Chandler Jones comes free. Everyone sees it and thinks the offensive line did a terrible Mike job. Mike McClinchy didn't do what he was supposed right. to do. But they, they did exactly what they were supposed to do. Now, Trey makes a great play, escapes up the middle, takes off running, and it all works out. But those are just the little things. And, I mean, there's a lot that goes into your mind as a rookie quarterback you got to figure out. Um, you could argue that maybe Alex Mack, and I know I said during the week I thought they should give the um, blocking responsibilities to Alex Mack. They didn't do that. That's not what they decided to do. They wanted to see the young kid grow. They wanted to see the young kid do it. And at times he did. He checked into proper plays. At times he didn't, and he missed those things. Those are things that Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't miss. Jimmy Garoppolo puts him in the right situation to be successful and I think that's why he will help that offensive line as well. And they can get all those things together. That offensive line will look, look more like week one and two and less like um, three, four, and five. Correct. And, and hey, listen, too, we said this last year, all last season, when yeah. Nick Mullins is playing quarterback, C.J. Oh, Beathard yeah. is playing quarterback, and you know run game's looking atrocious, protections are looking atrocious. It seems like there's no time for the quarterback. And people are like, man, our line's garbage. And you and I are sitting there going, uh, how much is this is the O-line and how much is this the quarterback not getting them in and out of the right calls, not putting in the right protections, not identifying the blitzer? How much of that falls on the quarterback? Because a lot of that is supposed to fall on the quarterback, especially in the Kyle Shanahan system. Um, right, Quarterback is one of the most important positions in terms of understanding and knowing the scheme, yeah. knowing the front, knowing what you're facing, knowing what's coming from where. Um, and then obviously the, tackles are, the left tackle is important. The center is the next most important after that in his system. So there's a lot of responsibility that falls with this tackle. There's a lot of responsibility that falls in the center. But at the end of the day, the onus falls on the quarterback to diagnose and understand what's going on and what's happening and where you're supposed to go with the ball, what plays you should be getting into, what plays should you be canning, what plays should you be killing. Um, And there were plenty of plays last season in which Nick Mullins let the Niners run in situations where you had a guy so far outside. I don't know how you expect Trent Williams or Mike McGlinchey to make that block. Right. They had no chance of making it, and the play gets blown up. And we've had this year in situations where you've had play actions designed or straight dropbacks designed in which there is no recognition of where the blitz is coming from. There is no flip of the protection. And so you have guys coming free from a side in which we're not even attacking to. We're looking in the opposite direction. It's because Trey didn't recognize, hey, right. blitz is coming from here. This is where the pressure is coming from. I have an unaccompanied, I have an unaccounted for rusher coming from this right side. I either need to attack that side with a hot route or I need to get to my, my check down immediately. One of the two. Um, instead, he's getting too comfortable back there, think, feeling, thinking that he has more time than he actually has. Yeah, you had Bethard and you know Mullins there, and there's a reason that he brought back Scangarillo. He brought back Scangarillo because he's been in the building and he was able to help Jimmy Garoppolo learn on the fly and learn quickly. So he's going to be able to help Trey Lance, and Trey Lance has got to learn. There's a lot of X's and O's that goes into that. 
Um, but the onus can't be put on Trey Lance because he's put out there before he's able to play or before he should be able to play. Before he's truly ready. Yeah, he's, he's not, not ready. Truly ready. He's learning. And so he was learning on the fly, and those things happen. And unfortunately, the other players around him are not going to be successful. And that's why I get a little bit frustrated when I see people say that they need to help Trey Lance. Um, in the same regard, Trey Lance, you know, the quarterback has to help them. This is a team game. It's not like the players around Trey Lance let Trey Lance down. They were doing their absolute best. Sometimes they were put in situations where they couldn't be successful, whether that was because, like you said, George Kittle was missing, or maybe the protection was different, or maybe it was just a bad matchup for them. Unfortunately, all those things play into it, but it's not a good idea to just go around blaming players and saying players let... I mean, Brian Baldinger, I'm going to say it. He, he said that the team let Trey Lance down, and, and that's just inaccurate. If you watch the film... Um, the team was doing their very best to try to help Trey Lance be successful, and Trey Lance had moments where he wasn't successful. They all made mistakes in this game. It was a team loss. That's, it's that's unfortunate. A, that's a crazy statement to make. Oh yeah, he made it. He tweeted it. That's that's a crazy. That's a crazy statement to make, knowing that you have access to the All Twenty Two film. You could see how many different times that Trey missed guys and opportunities. I mean, I said this after the game, right? And we said this on the podcast. The loss didn't fall at Trey Lance. But yeah. Trey Lance also didn't do things to help the team when he needed to help the team. He could have made better decisions in certain situations that would have put the team in a better spot, in a better position, recognizing the obvious guy he's supposed to throw to, right. recognizing the check down, seeing the, the seam route middle of the field for Brandon Ayuk on a second and long that would have put them in a third and manageable, if not a first down, after a yeah. terrible holding call on first down that he played a role in by holding onto the football a little too long. Right. You know, everyone did this in week five. This was just a common theme from the, for the team, top to bottom. People had opportunities to make the, make the task easier for the group, and they failed. They failed in their responsibilities. And it was McClinchy at times, it was Brunskill at times, Mack had a couple bad ones, Dwelly and Charlie Warner had a lot of bad ones. Um, you know, Sanu had a, a nasty bad drop. There were times where uh, uh, Elijah Mitchell misses potential home run plays, and Trey Lance didn't help that in that regard, in that category either. Debo doesn't help in the red zone with the drop. I mean, you can name every starter on the offense. Brandon Ayuk not winning one-on-one versus man coverage against a nobody corner for the Arizona Cardinal. You can name every, every member from that offense. All 11 guys at some point in that game do something to make the task for the 49ers offense that much harder. And when you have that many guys failing it's really hard to have success. Yeah, I mean, if you were executing all 11 guys on every single play, you'd be blowing everyone out. That's no, just that's not right. what happens. Um, you're going you're gonna to lose one-on-one -on -one battles. The key is to win more than you lose. And if you do that, you're going to win. Um, and it's about consistency. You need to be consistent. And if you're consistent, then you're going to win more times than you lose. And True. It's unfortunate, but they're building towards that. And I think there's a lot of questions that still surround this team. But I think they can be answered as we play the Colts, then we play the Bears. This is a good situation for the 49ers to... Um, go play a couple very good football teams that they can they can battle with, and if they come away with victories, they'll be looking pretty nice going into that Arizona game, and then they can kind of get back in the saddle again if they get that big NFC West um, win. So these are three big games coming up. Um, let's see what they do, and let's see how this offensive line stabilizes. If they stabilize behind, you know, a different, you know, getting ahead of the sticks and playing, you know, with a more aggressive style in the run game. Let's see what Kyle Shanahan schemes up and how he attacks his five and six man front. Um, because you can come at you can come at him for so long, and he's going to figure it out. And he figured it out against Green Bay, and he'll continue to figure it out. I have a lot of faith in his offensive scheming and what he can put together. Absolutely, man. Uh, it's going to be a big. These are huge next couple weeks. You have yep. two opponents in the next two weeks that are having similar issues with consistency. They have not been consistent organizations. They have not been playing consistent football. So take advantage of that if you're the 49ers. Find ways to put themselves in positions to make mistakes. Let them make those mistakes. Capitalize off them. 
and keep yourself out of that mistake category. If you can do that, you're going to put yourself in those positions, right, to be ahead, playing from right. ahead, putting your guys in successful positions, putting McGlinchey and Brunskill in, in better positions. Yes. So that way, hopefully, they can be start playing at a better level, at a higher level, so you're not forced to maybe make a decision in which you have to go young and try to see if that grass is truly greener on the other side because you never quite know. You just don't. Yeah, I don't think so. I think they're going to stick stay pat right now. If Brunskill struggles a couple more weeks, they will make some sort of a change. What that will be, I don't know. Um, but it'll also be curious if they give uh, McGlinchey any help, you know, on third and long, if they go chip, um, what they decide to do. Kyle doesn't normally like to do that. He might give running back help, but he doesn't like using outside guys to do that um, because then it kind of messes with his scheme. So, um, yeah, it, it's going to be a big storyline as we move forward, and let's see how they handle it. The O-line discussion isn't going away anytime nope. soon, and when we get to the offseason, it's going to get even spicier. Oh, yeah. So let us know what you think about all of this down below in the comment section right now. You loving the O-line play? You worried about the O-line play? McGlinchey's got to go. Brunskill's got to go. Get the young guys in there. Let's roll with all the rookies. The season's a wash anyway. We want to hear what you have to say, whether we agree or not. So make sure you're commenting down below. And while you're doing that, don't forget to like. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already, and hit that notification bell. Yeah, definitely. Let us know how much you think about this discussion. Let us know who you think starting those positions. Um, it's an exciting conversation. It's one that needs to be had, and I'm looking forward to seeing where everyone stands. Absolutely. We want to hear from you, Cutback Crew. Faithful, we love y'all. O-line play, can it pick up here in Week 7? We got faith. We'll see what happens. It's going to be an interesting and exciting Week 7. And until then, stay safe. Remember the right way. Is always the 49ers way.